we can all give of our time and our tithes and our talents, and, and we have some good advice to hear this morning, I believe, as well. And of course, I have a heads up, I believe, on where the preacher's going this morning, but it's good to have Brother Dan along. He was with us again for the first time about 30 years ago, and in between that time, he's been in Papua New Guinea, and he's been in Australia, and he's honestly been used of God all over the world, and here, in, in one of the directors of the BIMI, that's the Baptist International Missions Incorporated Mission Board, which is, uh, has almost 1,000 missionaries all over the world, 93 countries. Lord's used them greatly in our midst, of course. Look forward to tonight's service as a closing assembly. And at 6 p.m., of course, the Milton's as well will be part of that. And we'll have a, a, a video tonight I'm looking forward to seeing as well in regards to them. But Brother DeLong, so good to have you come and preach for us. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. And I don't know who opened that window, but that was a great thing. Tell you what, how many like cool weather? You've had enough of it, amen? I was in Tony Balava's last week out in Arizona, surprised preaching there at uh, his church. And every day I got up to 94 to 98 degrees. Good night. I can't even get to shower that hot in Connecticut, amen? And I was trying and, uh, but hey, I'm glad to be here. <clears throat> I praise the Lord for this church. You've supported me in the past. Uh, I always look forward to coming here. And of course, Pastor Schott's been a friend and an encouragement to me. And I'm going to get into a message this morning. Very seldom do I preach the same message twice. But under his advice, I have to do that this morning. He wanted me to preach what we preached first hour. So turning your Bibles with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, <clears throat> we'll kind of run around the New Testament a little bit, but it's good to meet the Miltons, and uh, uh, he knew me, I guess. We went to college together. He was probably in the smart class. <laughs> this is, a, I got to get tell this on me. When you go to Bob Jones <clears throat> back in those days, uh, there was about 1,000 in our freshman class, 970-something. And they gave us an English test the first day. Uh, he probably remembers this. And, uh, and we took this test, and, and we're all coming back the next day after the test to see what class we go into. You know, the best, the smartest, to the dumbest. And so we took this test, my twin brother and I, and four or five of our friends, and we're cool cats back in those days, you know, and we're sitting down on the left-hand side, and this professor got up and said, here is the first class, all right? And it was called English 101, Bonehead Dumb English. We did not know that. We thought they started at the top and went to the bottom. And they read my name off first. I stood up to the class. It's me, number one. <laughs> my twin brother was right behind me. That's me. I'm number one, you know. We got to that class. And the teacher informed us we were the dumbest, not the smartest. So God humbled real quick. Amen. So my advice to you when that happens, do not stick your hand up that you're number one when you don't know what you're talking about. Amen. But let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 8 through 12. And I do appreciate you coming today. And I want to be an encouragement to you. God has blessed this church. God wants to continue to bless this church, but I, I want to give you some advice this morning. You may not want it, that's fine, 
But in my 43 years of ministry, what I'm going to speak about has worked everywhere in this world. It's not the language. It's not the country. It's God's word. It's universal. Look what it says in verse 8. I speak not by commandment, Paul writes, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That's salvation, by the way. And Paul's talking about grace giving, faith promise giving here. And he says in verse 10, and here and I give my advice, <clears throat> for this is expedient for you, who hath begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. In Connecticut language, that means for you need to do this yearly. And they've been doing it. And Paul says, I'm not going to order you to do this. I'm not going to make you do this. But this is my advice for you. It's expedient. It's good for you. Now, therefore perform the doing of it. That there is there, that as there was a readiness to will... So there may be a performance also out of that which you have. God will never ask you to give anything to Him unless you already have it. For if there first be a willing mind is accepted according to a man hath, not according that he hath not. Chapter 9, verse 6, same context, same letter. But this I say, Paul, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. And every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a chill forgiver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Verse 10 of chapter 8 is my text. Herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you. We had our daughter given to us in October 1st, 1999. She was 30 days old. No one wanted her. She was a creamy, a mixed race, Chinese and Papuan. My wife and I, had, my wife especially, has prayed for a baby girl for three years without making it a public knowledge, and God gave her to us. And in those 30 days that we had her, we realized she'd never had any shots, didn't even have a birth certificate because she was born out in the bush behind a hut. And so we had to go through all that and we had to make arrangements for her to get her shots. What do you call them? Immunizations? Over there, they call it injections or shots. So the Indian doctor that helped me with my uh, uh, kidney stones and different things, and we went to him and and we had a relationship, and we went in there, and, 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 uh, and uh, the shots that we supposed to get four of them is to help her to not get malaria or uh, typhus and two or three other things. I don't know. And I'm going to pay for this. And as we get ready, and I carry her in, I, my wife hands her to me, and I carry her into that room where the gurney is, and I notice on the table are four needles. I think the canisters were that big in my eyes. And I saw that, and I saw my daughter. And she's having fun, and 
She looks at my face. I'm going, oh. And she's reading my body language. And she goes, oh, what's going to happen? When I looked at the needles, I walked out of the office. The doctor and my wife had to bring me back in. And I said, listen, I know you got, but no, we're not, you're not going to do this to my baby here. No way. And I was throwing a little daddy fit there. Don't you have smaller needles? I mean, that one looked that big. Actually, it's probably about that big. And you know what they ended up doing? They had to kick me out of that doctor's office. They asked me to leave because I was not going. And my daughter had no idea. And when they put the first needle in her, she screamed, Daddy! And I grabbed her. And I said, that's enough. That's when the doctor had me escorted outside. Now, folks... (laughs) Some of us treat faith promise giving like that. They think when you come on this Sunday morning, it's going to hurt. But it's not. And that doctor said, listen to me, uh, reverend, pastor, it's for her good. I said, I know that, but boy, I don't want to just go outside. So I went outside, pacing outside. I could hear her squalling between shots. You know, I'm pacing back and forth. My wife's in there with her and and she comes out. She's, this is just a crying. And my wife handers to to me. And that's right. I love you. That doctor does it, you know. (laughs) And I, my wife, I said, you pay it. I don't even want to see the doctor. I'm mad, you know. But she, see, she needed it, right? Because I wanted her to live. And I want, and you know she needs us to, to survive. And can I tell you as a Christian, you need these things too to grow in the Lord and to survive. And when I'm taking her to the, to, the, to the truck, I had a truck back then and I had a, you can imagine, a diaper purse on this side, you know. And I got the baby here and, and I'm struggling along and I get to that truck and I'd been a bad preacher that morning and I unlocked it and, I, and when I opened the door, I kicked it back and I went to go in and the door sprung right back and locked me with my hand crushed inside, the door snapped. Ha! Ah, oh, oh! And I got her here, the diaper bag. I'm standing in the ditch, and people are watching me. And God said, I got your attention, boy. And I'm yelling for my wife and yelling for anybody. And they come over and open the door. Boy, God got my attention. Now listen, I'll never forget that. The doctor told me, he said, missionary, pastor, she needs this. It will help her in the long run. Please let me do this. Now this morning, here's my advice. Please let me do this. Oh, by the way, Selena's 19 going on 30 now. And she's in medical school. She's at church today with my wife down in Tennessee. But I want to get a point across this morning is this. The Bible is very clear. Preacher already said it in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give to your bosom. Means give to you so that you can give to what God puts in your heart to give. World evangelism, 19 missionaries. Everyone in here needs to do more than they did last year. Everyone needs to have this in their system. Look what Paul says in verse 10. Herein, wherein this is my advice. All right. And he said, I'm not going to order you. I'm going not to make you. But look what he says there in the rest of that verse. For this is expedient for you. It is good for you. So what I want to do is give you four thoughts, four advice points this morning that will help you, not only as a church member, and not only as a personal person, 
but for the missionaries that you support, the missionaries around the world, and your ministries here. Let's take a look at this closely this morning. We're going to stay in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at verse 1 as I get ready to give you the first thought. We have to get right if we're going to give right. We have to get right to give right. Look what it says in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, that's us, Paul's saying, we do you to wit. We want you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. That means they did not have it going in. That, they did not have it made in the shade with all the lemonade. They were in bad, bad, bad space. They were not having a great day at the office. They were having, as we would say, a bad hair day financially and personally. They, they were in deep poverty. They were in this great affliction. But look what they do. Look how Jesus works. Verse 3, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. And that's not, that's not grace. That is a financial gift. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They wanted to give to us as a blessing. But watch verse 5, one of the best verses in the Bible on this. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave themselves unto the Lord. That's the love for the Lord, not the love for the lost. And unto us by the will of God. So it's God's will to do this. And the Lord will work on your heart to do it. And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, hey, that's on you. How many love the Lord for saving you? How many of you love the Lord from time to time? You've had to get those injection shots and it hurt a little bit and you had to straighten your life out. Just two of us, three of us? Okay. How many love the Lord when you get through the thing you saw that you grew through that mess? Amen. And when God gives you an opportunity, and God gives you a time, as it says, for you on this billboard back here, it's time for you to take part in this. And Paul says, I can't order you, I can't make you, but here's my advice. Verse 5, you have to get right with him in order, in order to give right for him. That's how it works. I want to encourage you. I want you to see this thought with me. To get right, to reach the lost. You give to reach the lost of the world. To reach this lost generation. And I want to encourage you. It's not going to hurt you. It may bother you like it did with my daughter at that doctor's office in P&G. But it's not going to hurt you. It is good for you. Where you, you, you stretch this faith. And let me say this thing out. This grace giving. God will never ask you to give something unless you already have it. Nowhere in Scripture that ever happened, and I'll show that to you today. When I went to New Guinea or Australia, <clears throat> I was there for about a week, and we got into our new house. Our stuff didn't come to about 30 days, uh, three months later, and so we're sleeping on the floor, eating off the ironing board, and our new neighbor moved in about three days after we got there, and he came over to knock on, his, knock on our door to introduce himself to us, and his name was Jonathan Edwards, okay? And, and, and John, uh, he, he was a Navy cook, unsaved, uh, just a total drunk, and he had pornography all over his back, tattooed. And he showed up to his house, to my house the first day, he didn't have a shirt on. And I said, you're going to be my neighbor, mate. See, I can talk Aussie too. Good day, mate. Good on you, man. You need to put a shirt on. Yeah, I don't you wearing that in front of me or, or my, my wife or my daughter. You, but I'm just telling you, we're safe people. He says, what's that? 
Make a long story short, he was a drunk. About three months later, on Thanksgiving Day, 2007, the same day my younger sister died with cancer, and, and, and he, he's, he's drunk on the, standing on my fence with another drunken mate from the Navy, Boz. His name was Bozzarelli. We called him Boz. And John said, Pastor Dan, I want you to get this guy going to heaven because he's married. He's a Catholic married to a Gentile, and they're all going to go to hell. I grabbed the water hose I had there, turned it on high, and I knocked him off the fence with it. And uh, they both were on their way to hell. Well, they're about half mad. I can hear them. I'm squirting them through the fence. I told my wife, give me the Bible, and she got me this Bible. I don't know why I squirted them. But they're, we're coming around to get you. You know, and they could eat me for breakfast. They were so, you know, <laughs> both of them were bodybuilders. And so I don't know why I did this. I grabbed this Bible. And I said, honey, you hide behind the door here. 911 is the number that they have there. And I, I, but ours is, uh, in Australia, it's zero, 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 zero. Three zeros. And so I said, dial the first two. I don't know how it's going to go. When they opened the door, I held my Bible up. Stop right there. Or I'll put a, I don't know whether to use the word, I'll put a judgment on you. I was going to say curse, but I didn't want to do that. God will judge you. And they both stopped. John said, no, 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 don't do that. So he had just enough of religion in him to shoot himself in the foot. I said, you guys go sober up. God's going to judge you. God brought me here for a reason. You people support me for a reason. You support him for a reason. You support your missionaries for a reason. I want you to see this. Take my advice on this. Hey, you have to get right in order to give right. And every missionary that goes to the mission field, he's got to go there. And he didn't go there to sit. And I knew God brought that man into my life. And I said, God's brought me here to witness to you. Make a long story short, about six, uh, six nine weeks later, John, Jonathan Edwards got saved right there in that front, that, that front room of his living room next to my house. I led his wife to the Lord, Sabrina. Then I read Boz to the Lord, his wife, Shauna. And then after Shauna was Haley. And after Haley was Iram. And after Iram was his whole family. And then there was Key. And then there was John. And then there was Matt. And 37 people got saved. Out of that one time, I squirted them off the fence on Thanksgiving Day 2007. All of them discipled all of them baptized, all of them members of Coastline Baptist Church. And it started right here in this church and the other churches that support me to get me there where God wanted me to go. Amen? Now listen to this thought, not bragging on me. In order to give right, you first got to get right on this. Amen? It's God's, not ours. Number two, I see this. Paul says, listen, I want you to take my advice here. Look what he says in verse 10. Herein, now, now pay attention to this. I'm not going to make you do this. This is just my advice, all right? I want you to understand it's expedient for you. Chapter 9, look at verse 6. And Paul says this, He which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Here's my advice. <laughs> you reap what you sow. What goes around comes around. Verse 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Or so let him sow. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, I, I want to give you my second thought here this morning. First of all, we have to get right to give right. Number two, here, here it is. It's not our wealth. It's our willingness. It's not our wealth. It's our willingness. Let me show you what I mean by that. Look at chapter 8, verse 12. The Bible says, For there first be a willing mind, it's accepted according that a man hath, not according that he hath not. You look down at verse uh, 
uh, with me not only verse, uh, that verse, but look at verse 19. It says, not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace. The churches had chosen Paul and, 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 and Titus to travel to give out the offerings, the faith promise giving, which is ministered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Prove your love in verse 8. Here later on, this is your mind. So I want to point this thought out. It's right there in front of us. Your first must, it's not about your wealth. It's not about your wallet. It's about your willingness. Uh, your, your thought process. Look what it says in verse 12. Be willing. And that's what accepted. That be willing. I don't know if there's any dentist in here today, but I, I don't hate you personally. I hate you corporately. All right? Because I'm afraid of you. And every time I go to you, it causes me pain and hurt. Amen? How many's been there with me? Can you raise a hand? All right. Now, I don't, we don't hate you, dentist, but the last time I went to a dentist, I ended up in an emergency room at the hospital. And my dentist uh, name, and, and she's a lady, she's about five foot tall, and she's a Christian lady. She's got the world's smallest hands, all right? But she, I mean, I'm telling you, she will put the hurt on you. <laughs> Two years ago, I bit her. She's working on my teeth and had me numbed up, and I don't know why I did it. I just bit her, you know, as a reaction. And she pulled out, had blood coming through the glove. She said, you bit me. Well, you deserved it, you know. And, and, and about a year goes by and my tooth falls apart over here. And she, she said, Reverend, we're going to have to put an elevator in your mouth. I got a big mouth. I didn't know it was that big. But it's a term that dentists use where they fasten a thing on there. And they don't want to break my jaw pulling it out. I had a root canal that fused with my jaw. And they got one of those Black and Decker sanders and drilled bits and went in there and went to work. They hit something in me. And honestly, my right foot kicked up in the air and hit the lady that was standing there at the edge of the table. Just kicked her, knocked things everywhere. Then they strapped me down. They pulled that tooth out. Cost me $1,096. They had me numbed clear to China. And she said, I've, I've pulled 1,016 teeth, Brother DeLong but yours is the hardest one I've ever done in the last 10 years. I'm sitting there all doped up. I don't care. I don't like dentists. They hurt me. I try to avoid them. Some of us in here are not willing to be part of this faith promise giving because you think it's going to hurt you. In the long run, it's going to bless you. All God's people said. Amen. How do you know that, preacher? Well, Paul is... Dwelling on this subject, look at chapter 8, verse 5. It's, in your thought process, it must be willing. You've got to see they first gave themselves unto the Lord and because this was God's will for them. And when they, do, when they did, Paul says, I'm not ordering you to do it. Look at verse, verse 10. But it's expedient for you. It's good for you in the long run. Like my daughter's shots, like the dentist working on me. I may not like him, but in the wrong, long, wrong, long, long. Not wrong, but in the long run. It's the best. You reap what you sow. Can I tell you, you never reap till you sow. You always reap after you sow. And you'll always reap more than you ever sown. Your problem with me is you just don't want to sow it. It's not your wallet. It's not your wealth. It's a willing mind and a willing heart. All God's people said. First Sunday at Coastline Baptist Church, we had eight people there. It's 2007, June 9th. Got done with the service. I'm going to start a church. Who wants to join me? My wife and Selena and Huey and Colleen and Andy and Peter and his wife Colleen, put, or, uh, Elaine put their hands up. <laughs> okay? 
Done. We're a church. First business of order, we're going to take a missionary on for support for $100 a month. My wife went, she, I didn't ask for permission, you see. God would put it all on my heart. Because when I'd done it in New Guinea, I'd done it in uh, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, I've done it in North Carolina, I've done it in South Carolina, I've done it in Indiana, and I've done it in Australia there. It works. So we didn't have a budget. We took a missionary home for support, church planner in Australia, or New Guinea. My wife said, How? I said, God's going to take care of it. I'll tell you what, today, that little church runs 100 people. That church today supports 10 missionaries. We were taken on for 100 a month. That pastor come in there after me. That's what I do. I start churches, move on. Instead of taking on 50, 60 missionaries, they now support for every year of being in existence. They're going to take on their 11th new missionary next year, and 11th one. They support them for 300 a month. Whoa! How do they do that? How does that work out? How do they get their bills paid? Oh, man, no, aren't they all? Hey, they're not corporate people. They're not lawyers and doctors. They're normal folks just like you. But they, they learn something. When you give what God puts in your heart to do, <gasps> you reap what you sow. You'll reap after you sow. You'll reap more than you sow. What goes around now watch this, chapter 9. I want you to see this. You've got to have a, have a church be willing in this, this process. Look, look what it says here in, in chapter, seven, or verse nine of, uh, 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 chapter 9, verse 7. A man has a purpose in his heart, so let him give. Verse 8. And God is able to make all this grace, all this giving abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every, watch it, good work. It's not about you. It's about him and it's about them. But God starts this all through the local church. I just want to encourage you with this. What's your thought process as a church? I want to encourage you. It may seem scary. <laughs> you may not have the faith and trust, but I want to tell you, if you've got a willing mind and a willing heart, God's going to bless you. I like to eat. You know that. Pastor Marty loves to eat. Amen. You take me to this place that has a steak. What's it called the first night we ate here? Vinny's. A hole in the wall. We go in the back door by the bathrooms. He don't even come even through the front. And I'm looking through because I've traveled enough and I know what, how he eats. <laughs> and when he says it's good, it's going to be good. And we went in there and I watched him. I saw him order that blackjack steak. Am I right? I'm watching, he ordered that, and you ordered something else, and, but I ordered what he ordered because I've eaten with him before. The man knows what he's doing. <laughs> now, he may be worthless as teeth on a chicken when it comes to construction things, but he knows how to eat and where. They brought those steaks out. Oh, I looked at his. I looked at mine. Oh, it's going to be good. Now, men, I got mine medium well. Just a little bit of pink. His was running blood, but <laughs> I watched him cut that first piece, and he put that thing in his mouth, and you could see the oh, come out. His eyes closed. He went, oh. His stomach went, oh, oh. Man, he had me leaning. I cut my first piece off. Now, what was I expecting? Something good, bad? Great. I put that in there. 
that sauce, those potatoes, I did not give him one piece. He did not give me one piece. And the rest of you know already that Vinny's has good food, right? Listen to this thought. I'm telling you, this faith promise giving is better than anything you'll ever taste, sense, see, or touch because God's in charge of this. Isn't that a great thought? Hey, hey got to be a willingness of your mind and your heart, you personally and a church secondly. The third thought is this this morning. I want you to catch it with me. Paul says, I want to give you my advice on this. You will, be, you will influence others by your good giving record. Okay, this illustration I just used. I've influenced some of you. will go to Vinny's today, I'm sure. But watch this with me. Chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Your giving, your life in this will influence others. The Bible says, for as touching the ministering to the saints. That's grace giving from chapter 8. It is superfluous. Now, you may think it's worthless or I shouldn't even have to write it or say it. You may think it's overkill for me to write you to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, willingness, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Arcadia was ready a year ago, uh, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Number one, A, when it comes to you influencing others, you will provoke, your giving will provoke others to go ahead, step out, get out of their comfort zone, and give more than their tithe, give that not to their power, but yea, beyond their power. They were willing of themselves first, follow me. They first gave themselves unto the Lord and to God because it was God's will to do this. So if I can get you to come out of that comfort zone, if I can provoke you to trust God a little bit, I'll tell you what, He will meet every need you'll ever have. All God's people said... I could go all through this. I'm going to get into it in just a moment in the book of Philippians. God's going to ask you to take part of this. But God is already at tomorrow. He's going to take care of it. Amen? The little boy, John chapter 6, five loaves, two fishes, gave it all to Jesus. Andrew made fun of him. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, filled the bean counter said that we don't have enough to feed him. When Jesus was done, he fed 5,000 men, wives, kids besides. And how many baskets left over? Twelve. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches. Your job is, watch me on this, your thought is this. You've got to be provoked to do it. Amen? Now, you have to really put provoke me hard to go into a dentist chair. Right? But you don't have to provoke me hard to go to Vinny's. I've had experiences at both places. And I'm telling you, your experience at Christ in this local church is above and beyond most people can understand in this world. Am I right? The second thing in this, in this thought is this, not only provoke, but thanksgiving. Look what it says in chapter 9, verse 12, thanksgiving. For the administration of this service, your giving, not only supplieth the want of the saints or the missionaries, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. They will, you will cause people to thank you, not only you, but thank God and raise up God. He's not done yet. Look at verse 15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That's talking about salvation, but it's also in context with that first next uh, earlier two chapters, thanksgiving for giving to missions. And here's what the thanksgiving's about, supplying. Look at verse 12. Not only supplieth the want. You raise support to get supplies of people you don't even know yet. 
you guys last year took part in the PNG Bible Project. 5,000 young people trusted Christ as their Savior in the last 12 months, just in the 10th and 11th, 12th grade in the public school system of PNG, where God opened up the door for us to give a King James Bible, Old and New Testament, to every kid that goes to a public school. Can you imagine that happening in Connecticut? God opened it up. I've been praying for it for 10 years. How, so how am I going to get Bibles to them? Last year we raised $1 million in 12 months to get 360,000 Bibles on the ground now. All right. Now we're going phase two. I got to raise. I don't have to do it. God's got to do it. Three million dollars. My weak. My knees are weak. That's nine hundred and sixty thousand Bibles. We got to raise it in the next 12, 15 months. And we're going to give every Bible away. How many think God can do that? He says, I will supply. It supplies. It supplies. You'll never know how blessed this church is till you get to heaven. And I guarantee you, number two here, first, first of all, the provoke. When you give, Paul says you're going to influence and bring thanksgiving in people's lives. And, and thirdly, it's the supplies, whether it's Bibles or tracts or materials or to rent a building or to buy a generator or insurance, whatever it is, it is costing. But I tell you what, there's no price on the gospel, amen? I am so glad that God put this in the Bible and not some Baptist preacher. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, had Paul write, and not, not some Mormon doctrine or Hindu doctrine or man-made doctrine. I'm preaching Bible to you today. Is that not true? I'm going to show you God's word because Paul says, I don't, you don't have to do this. He does, Jesus doesn't make it do us do it. But Paul says, here's my advice. It's good, expedient for you too to do this. Because God wants to bless you in a great way. Here's the last thought, and I'll give it to you. Number four, your giving creates a return. Wow. Your giving creates a return. I want to encourage you with this thought. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. The verse before that says, but he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he was soweth bountifully, shall reap bountifully. Now, however God leads you. If he makes $100 and God wants him to give 10 and he makes $100 and God wants him to give 15 of that, that's between them and God. It's not me. It's not the pastor. It's not the church. It's how God works. God never makes mistakes. Is that right? So let him work in your heart. This morning, I what sermon I preached it in, but my wife and I had been married a couple years and I had a $100 bill in my left pocket here for the electric and water bill and I had a $10 bill here in this pocket to take my wife out to the Brown Derby. How many remember the Brown Derby restaurant back <laughs> You know, it's right above uh, Burger King. But anyway, that's <clears throat> why they're out of business. So uh, back in 1976, I was there, you know, and, and so we're knocking on doors. It was the last door of our bus route. And, 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 and she came out, the lady, ah, oh, Pastor Dan, good to see you. Well, kids will be there tomorrow, but pray for me, brother. Man, we're out of money, brother. I'm telling you what, I don't have enough money to feed the kids, you know. Uh, electricity was shut off, but we'll get by. But boy, just pray that God, somehow, some way, we can cut some bottles out of the ditch or, you know, go do babysitting. Somebody will call. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I got the $10 here and I got the $100 here. And I'm going to give her that $10 bill. You know, I, my wife and I can eat on another day, but I grabbed the wrong pocket. And I noticed as she grabbed it, it was 100 not a 10. 
And that's the way you are too. But I let go. She started crying. She's bigger than Delaware. She gave me a hug. Oh, preacher, God bless you. I look at my wife. We're dead meat. <laughs> and I could stand before you and God and say, but that Thursday, my Aunt Shirley still supports me today. Sent me a two or three hundred dollar check. Said, God put you on my heart. I want to help you. Is God good or what? Did I make a mistake that day? I thought I did. Boy, did God deal with me. And may God deal with you. May God touch our hearts. He always creates a return. And let me prove that to you. How many got somebody unsaved in your families? How many of you would you pay a man to reach that unsaved person to get him saved? How many would pay for that? I would. And your family means more to you than any mission field. Am I right? I guarantee you take what God puts on your heart today. In God's time and God's will and God's way, according to God's word, and you're right with him, God will use you or somebody in your world to reach that unsaved loved one that you have. I guarantee that. It will happen. They have to make the choice. And I want you to see this thought with me in Philippians chapter 4. Because this church went it. Go to Philippians chapter 4 and I'll close. Your giving creates a return. I want you to see this with me. And we'll close with this thought. Paul writes <coughs> here at the churches of Macedonia. Keep it in context. He's writing to the church of Corinth, getting after them and our text today. And he uses Macedonia as an illustration. The Bible says here in, in verse 16, let's go to verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel and my ministry and my missions, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. That's not talking about text or phone calls or emails. What's that talking about? Support and prayer, support. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Man, I had some needs. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire a fruit that may what? Abound to whose account? Your account. And Paul writes again in verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If I can encourage you this, this evening or this afternoon or today in this message, when they gave this gift back in 2 Corinthians, the Bible is very clear that it was acceptable, it was well-pleasing, and it's exactly what God wanted. So as you close your Bibles today, because of time's sake, I'm going to tell you a story. If I could show you a thought or a story in Scripture that defines this message, you would say, preacher, show me. You don't need to go there. You can if you'd like. It's in 1 Kings or 2 Kings chapter 4. This lady's husband was a preacher. They did not have any life insurance. He was one of the preacher boys for Elisha. Make a long story short, in chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, her husband died and she came come to the preacher and said, preacher, what do I need to do? My husband's dead and the bondman or the bankers 
come and they've taken my two sons into slavery or bondmen, and they're going to have to work seven to ten years to pay off my husband's debt. They're just young boys. What am I going to do? Preacher, what do I need to do? How am I going to do this? I need some help. Help me. Well, here's what I want you to do. You go to your house, and what do you got in it? Remember, he'll never ask you to give anything unless you already got it. Is that right? Now, what do you got? Just got a little bit of a jar of oil. All right, now you go to your house. You see all your neighbors, and you pull in all the empty pots you can and pans. So you had to, she had their boys do that. Lock the door. Don't want anybody to see it because it's a private heart thing. Start pouring. By faith, she started pouring. One pot, two pot, three pot, four pot, five pot, six pot, seven pot. She's filling that house up with oil. I think it was an olive oil worth like gold in the bank. Like a credit card has got 5,000 credit on it. You just got to go out and spend it. Amen? Am I right? How many like to have one of those in your bank account? She just keeps pouring and keeps pouring. And she, he said, boys, I'm out of pots. We need some more pots. And they said, mama ain't got any more. Oh, and the Bible says, and the oil stayed, it stopped. Wouldn't have been great if she'd got about another hundred pots. But what she did was this. She went and sold that oil and covered the debt of her husband, debt of the loans, got her boys out of slavery, and they had money left over to live on. Now that's in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. None of you are in that position. And if you are, I can guarantee you, when you learn to take care of God's business, He will take care of yours. And it's about reaching the lost of the world. But it's also about making a church stronger, making a church more aware. And like my little daughter's illustration, I didn't like it at first, but you know what? She's healthy today because of that. Amen? Things I went through in my life I didn't like, but I'm stronger for it. If I can encourage you, you have to get right to give right. It's not about your wealth. It's about your willingness. And your giving does influence others, those all around you. And I want to tell you something. You will create a return. God never comes up short. Now, I like what he says. But my God, in Philippians, shall supply all your need according to his riches by Christ Jesus. Isn't that great? It's all through him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know, I don't know what your goal is as a church. And I'd be remiss today to say, if you're here today without the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to, I want to give you some advice. You need to trust him as your personal savior. I want you to go to heaven. The pastor wants you to go to heaven. This church wants you to go to heaven. But the Bible's clear that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord and ask to repent of your sins and believe in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and trust Him as your personal Savior, you will have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. But you have to ask Jesus in your heart. You have to repent of your sins. And He is waiting for you to do that. And secondly, as Christians in here today, this faith promised, you've heard of missions preached before, but who can say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart today to get right about this giving. And I, I want God to put a willing heart in me and I want, to, I want to be the right testimony to all those around me in my home, in my family, in my church, in my community, in my missions world for God. And I, I found out today that my giving will always create a return. Give and it shall be given unto you. 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God's blessing cannot be contained. Who can say, preacher, I want that in my life? I want that for my church. Would you pray for me? I'd be part of that. Could you raise your hand as a testimony? Amen. Amen. So you put your hands down. My last thought is this. Back to salvation. Say, preacher, I'm here today. Brother DeLong, Pastor Schott, I have never trusted Christ as my personal Savior, but God brought me to this service today, and I need the Lord in my heart. I need the Lord to mend my broken heart. I need the Lord to save me from my sins. Would you pray for me that I would get saved? Could you raise your hand as a t- pray for me I would get saved? Thank you. Thank you. I need Jesus in my heart. Thank you. You know, you can put your hands down today when we have the invitation. Three folks raise their hands for salvation. This wasn't a salvation message, but if God spoke to your heart and you need to trust Christ today, when Brother Pastor Marty starts the invitation, you need to come forward so you may know Jesus and the power and the peace of his salvation in your life. Pastor.